Welcome back to the Palin Thing Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yakgadget for all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company for all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the153angler.com. So join with me as together we dive into the tips and techniques that will help make us better anglers out on the water. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host of the new show, Sean Lavery, and uh, thanks again for joining us this week, guys. Uh, we're continuing on with our series uh, on kind of winter or cold water fishing. Um, last week, if you guys remember, we had John Toast Oats, Oast from uh, Fish Actor on. We talked some hair jigs. And tonight I'm bringing back another uh, gentleman who was on uh, the Noob Show a while back um, and uh, happy to have him back. So welcome back to the Noob Show, Jeff Little. How hey, are you Sean. This evening? Doing, uh, you're doing good. I am doing pretty good this evening. Yeah, doing well. I was actually out on the river yesterday and, um, and kind of dialing in a couple feeding stations where um you know you have your winter holes where a lot of fish gather together but within the winter holes there's certain places that like there's just a, a big concentration of fish and um if if you're new to to winter fishing um the the kind of day i had yesterday is very common where i i got there and i fished in one section for till I think one o'clock, didn't have a bite and said, nope, just not feeling it here. Still trying to figure out in this new area, where do these fish, you know, congregate in the winter? And, and typically it's your your slower current areas. Uh, and there's there one thing that really helps you figure it out um, is if there's if you see it at, you know at flood stage and if there is a place that they can jump up on the bank like a creek mouth or a steep bank with a little notch in it where where they can step out of the way of the river as it's blasting past with ice and mud and trailer homes that you know they they have that place nearby and i'm trying to figure it out in one spot and uh i've had success there on some recent trips i've been filming there on recent trips with uh with my buddy jake harshman in just a little after one i'm like it's not happening here and i have some things to teach on the the youtube channel and i i went back to a known winter hole and um you know, went to a feeding station, place where I know from years past there's going to be some fish. Caught one. Uh, pulled up to the second feeding station that I I know from years past, and and really sat there, and I think I I hammered out eight of them in a row. Wow. And and that's common. It was it was you know middle to late afternoon, and to to get on a spot and get a bite. And it was I was throwing a hair jig. If you get one bite, you're in the right spot. You know, just sit there and hammer on them and be patient. Let it sit and uh, and you know, very much. I'm I'm gonna grab a jig here 
this is when I was just tying before Sean and I started this. Um, and I was, I was, I've been throwing, well, I'm going to grab the hair jigs first. I've been tying hair jigs and I tie them in, I tie them sparse. I got a whole mess of them. I don't know if you can see that. Okay, yeah, that's definitely Very not as goofy as the bit. ones we were playing with yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's sixteenth ounce, so it's a football head, and I'll put a little, a little two inch uh, soft plastic on there with a little twin tail. Um, I got a video coming on that showing showing my manufacturing of them. If there's a little bit more current, and I'm fishing on a current seam. I'll jump out to, that's the eighth. If the river is up and I'm re it's really moving, I will jump to a quarter. I, I snag these a lot. And there is something to your presentation that makes them snag less. Um, I'd be uh, all ears about that as well. Is that coming in a video? Because yeah. I, I definitely am interested in snagging less because I do. Yeah. So uh, anytime I throw an open hook like that, I, I tend to snag a lot. Here's the concept. Um, pendulum swing. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can. This is this is unconventional. Um, <laughs> so when you cast out. Sean, say you're throwing a Ned rig, right? Right. And it's a pretty lightweight, not real snaggy. I mean, you can snag them. Um, and you see a spot that you're like, yeah, I like that. I think there's some some fish in there. Um, how far into the cast, and you've just put it out there, do you flip the bail? Um, I try and let it let the line settle, but I'm not always super patient with that. So um because I, I think we talked to online outdoorsman, and he was the first one who told me that he doesn't close his bail until the line is completely settled. I'm going to disagree. Okay. Here's why. And this is weird because I'm, I'm, I got my tie and bobbin here, and I just, I just tied the, the hair jig on there. There, I can see All it. Right. You see that? Yep. So this is actually an untied hair jig. The concept of a pendulum swing, what I'm going to tell you to do, Sean, you put it out there and in, in maybe let it fall a little bit. Maybe you flip the bail right away. Okay. And it starts it starts dropping, and you have it on taut line because you've – I'm trying to figure out where the camera is. There we are. It's coming down like this on taut line, and then it goes – bump and it's and it hits the bottom like that with with that that hook upright okay mm -hmm. when it comes down and hits the bottom like that it's just more like less likely to snag whereas if you put it out there and it goes straight down it it finds all those little all of those little crags and, and cracks it just it, it gets down in there and it wedges and you're done you gotta, you gotta, you know, paddle over, over to it and lift it up. Or in my case, hit the throttle. Motor over it. <laughs> yep. Anyhow, pendulum swing does two things for you. One, it it's just less snaggy. It really is. 
too, if if they're hitting it, and sometimes they do on this on this descent coming coming down like this and just swinging, you're gonna feel that hit, especially with a hair jig that's that's fairly lightweight. You know, as it's as it has that slow rate of fall, and and you have the pendulum swing that's that's kicking it over. When one of them jams it in, in open space, you know that you you can feel it uh, because you have taut line. Taut line, right? Yeah. Um, I told you I was going to refer to the the YouTube channel a lot. Um, it's called The Little Stuff, and I've I've been putting a lot more content in into it because I've been the last well since the kayak bass fishing national championship. I've been home pretty much. Um, and I'm getting ready to travel again next week, running up to Torquedo headquarters in Chicago. But I've been home for like six weeks, I think. And I've just been hammering, getting out there as much as I can on, on local waters and just cranking out um, video. And I have stuff scheduled into, you know, into December and even early January. But some of the ones I've done recently, I did a short one called Downsizing the Baits at the, as the Water Cools. That was just Jake and I talking about, you know, smaller profiled stuff in the cold water. Um, there's one on December 5th. It, it, it is five tips to feel the cold water bass bite. Now, we filmed it the other week and the river was up and it was still like low 40s, right? So mm -hmm. it was cooling off. It wasn't fully cold um yesterday was cold last yesterday i had water temperature that was i think we started out at 36 8 wow and okay. it got up to like 38 6 by the end of the day so it okay. was below 40 uh and that's getting there um yeah. but you but there are certain tricks that that will help you feel the bite and the most thing the most important thing is to have a taut line and what, another thing that I like to do to make sure that I do not have slack in my line is I double anchor. That's another video that's coming. Um, December 20th, you know, double anchor setup. Make sure you feel the bite. So you have to get yourself stationary. Um, even if it's you hopping up on the bank. If you if you have a pool and you're like, I think they're here, but the, but – Maybe you dropped one anchor off the front, and in the kayak is just swinging in the in the wind or the current or whatever. As you're swinging this way towards where you just cast, what's slack happening in your line? Yeah, you'll have slack introduced. Yep. Yeah. In fact, you know what? I have. I, I do my illustrations right mm -hmm. at the end of the videos. I got a couple that might might be helpful. I wish I could make your screen bigger and mine smaller, and I'm not sure huh? how I switch that. Hold on a second. Uh, shift S. Oop, that's not what I wanted. I want to make yours I got, bigger. I got four of these from recent. There I go. Yeah, now I'm full screen, right? Yep. Okay. So, generally... We say that is that centered? Uh, there slack, you go. Slack is the enemy. Okay, so in this picture, I have a rear anchor, and I have wind that's pushing me in that direction. 
But when I cast out there, I let it pendulum swing down to the there he is, the bottom, and that that top line being being straight is ideal. But if if the if wow, this is counterintuitive to me. Um, if the wind is pushing you in this direction, all of a sudden this is what your line looks like, and it's slack. You have that bow in the line. Right. If 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 where's my fish? That fish hits on that slack line, you don't feel it. So what do you got to do? You use a rear anchor when the wind is at your back and, and pushing you to keep from, you know, just to make sure that you don't have slack in the line. Gotcha. It works a lot of different ways. Um, there's a number of things that can help, that can hurt you with regard to, to having slack in the line. All right. Again, I do these are in my these are in my I, I, I do these illustrations at the end of the video to help people out to help wrap it up so that they understand things that put slack in the line. The river's current. So if you're casting across a little current chute and it's putting a bow in your line, that's no good. Wind itself can can act as you know to put a bow in your line. It can move right. your boat so you get closer to uh you know, to where you just cast and then you don't feel it. Um, when we filmed some of the, the footage here recently, the river was up, at, at, you know, above seven feet. and We had a lot, a lot of leaves swirling around. Some leaves, you know, like you, you get a twig or something that is very small and that comes to rest on your, you think it's taut line and you have a fish hitting your line down there and you don't, you're just not going to feel it. So... Things that you do to fight that, solutions to, to maintain line tension. You can use a heavier weight, but you snag more. Um, you can actually do shorter casts, which really help you out. And then you, the lighter the fishing line, lighter fishing line, braid. Oh, braid is wonderful. Uh, I still maintain 20-pound test in, in the winter, but... Um, it's the same thing for jigging for striper down deep. Um, I've gone down to like to 15 to jig and catch, you know, 40 plus inch striped bass. I know that, that's crazy, but you have a tidal current flowing and you have a one ounce jig 50 feet down and you're just, you're trying to follow that rod tip down as you, as you lower the jig and, and you want to feel the instant that thing gets it. Um, the light line makes a difference. Braid really does help. Um, but when you start getting ice in your guides in the winter, it can soak in there and really stick to, especially the nice St. Croix rods I use, the the micro guides in them. Uh, it's frustrating. Got a video huh. coming on that too, but I'll give you the, uh, the the quick version. I use chapstick on the, on the tip guide. Okay. I use... Um, Real snot. Scylla Johnson actually got me using the real snot. I used to use real, uh, I think it's called real magic. Okay. Uh, real snot is a little more viscous and it lasts, it lasts you all day. Uh, it's good stuff, but it keeps the, the, the ice from forming. They're oil-based and wax-based respectively that, you know, the chapstick on the tip guide really just helps the ice from forming and then it doesn't get to the rest of your guides. It, it, it gets knocked off there. But I will switch to straight fluoro once I know, hey, I'm going out on a day where 
the water temp is or the air temp's not going to be above freezing much of the day. Straight fluoro, you know. I think I've I've eight on the one I was using yesterday. Um, you really got to play them well, though. Here's the cool thing, though, if you're using, and this is this is one of the you know the the jig heads that I that I poured with the do it mold. It's an owner 5318 hook. Uh, I think that one's a size two. It is such a fine wire hook. As soon as that fish, and I say it's a hair jig or I've put a, a little tiny tube or a small soft plastic on there, you know, they they basically, they get it in their mouth. Of course, it didn't work when I wanted it to, but, <laughs> but basically, you know, it touches some part of them and it's in them, you know. I didn't have to push real hard on the side of my hand to get that jig, that, that point to stick. And as soon as, as soon as they start moving, because it's such a fine wire hook, it's, it's going to get in them. Um, a fine wire hook is going to catch you more fish than feeling the bite, right? It just, it's going to catch fish that you don't deserve to catch. And by that, <laughs> I mean like, okay, felt the hit, whack. Okay, now set the hook. No, it'll just, you know, it'll just be there. By the time you know you have the fish, it's already set the hook. You don't have to do it. Yeah. So I, I feel like I've jumped way ahead, though, in terms of, you know, the the assumption that, like, that you would know a good place to, to start. Right. 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 Um, and, and what to do. And, and honestly, the what to do, I'm most successful when I, I put a jig in in – the same thing with the jerk bait. Suspending jerk bait that will that will drift. I actually like one that sinks at a super slow slow rate. It's it's tough to get one that you know out of the package truly suspends. And and I think it's water temperature dependent. Um, if a suspending jerk bait out of the package floats, I, you know I, I just don't use it. Right. Like this motion on a suspending jerk bait. I don't get fish to eat that. Right. It's not natural. But look at my up. finger. Look at my finger. Dead sticking. And coming down super slowly to rest. And maybe maybe there's some, some fluorocarbon line, which is heavy a little bit, and it's, is like leading it slowly to the bottom. This dead stick... That where eventually, and I'm going to fast forward, it comes to rest on the bottom, and its nose is is just barely on the bottom, but the rest of it kind of breathes and maybe pivots a little bit. Man, is that deadly! It's deadly. It catches those big smallmouth in cold water, and I think I just had one video that came out that I got a nice one doing that but dead sticking a, a suspending jerk bait and specifically let it go all the way to the bottom in fishing it like it is bait same thing with the with a hair jig in I, uh, how long do i let it sit it's it's such a if 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 that's where you're at with it 
uh, go to a place where you think there's fish. Okay, do this. Go, go, go to where you were catching them in in late October, early November, because by then they were on their way, you know, towards where they're going to winter, right? Slow pools, deeper water, yes. It, um, there are some winter pools that, that are shallow in places where they winter where it's shallow. I mean, relatively shallow. Like the lowest it's going to get is like four or five feet. Some of the best ones are super deep. But <clears throat> go to where you were catching them in late fall, right? Slather up a jerk bait or a hair jig with some scent. Wing it out there. We're all addicted to social media, right? Are you? I am. Uh, yeah, I have trouble yeah. putting okay. it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, put your jerk bait out there and pull out the old Facebook and just start start scrolling through and see see. Oh, here's my friend catching a big striper. Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, you just just forget about it. Put it out there and and get your line taut. And like, look up in the trees and check out the uh, the kingfisher that's up there you know, making noise at you. Uh, look over on the rocks to your right and check out all the little stoneflies that are crawling all over the leaves on the bank. Um, yeah, go ahead. Look at your phone. But just stop trying to animate whatever it is that you put out there. Because this is it. This is what you need to get for winter fishing. This is it. You ready? You are setting a trap, not enticing a bite. That's it. Okay? So your best your best baits are going to have a sort of built-in subtle action where if it's sitting still, I just mentioned it with the jerk bait. What's the jerk bait doing? It's kind of pivoting on the bottom. Yeah. 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 It's, it's nose down, in, and if a big fish moves in on that, what's it going to do? It's You haven't moved it. What's it going to do? It stinks. It smells because you just put slathered like the shad scent liquid mayhem all over it, right? It smells right, but the, the push of water coming off that that that, uh, that bass's body is going to make that, that jerk bait just kind of like pivot a little bit. Ever so slightly, right. And that's all you need. I tied this right before, and this is a, I've been doing well with these. The trailer is the Z-Man Batwings 2.75, okay? It's it's a chunk trailer, right? But it's, mm. it's, it's one of the smaller ones. Even this is kind of big for winter fishing. I, you know, I got that football head that's an eighth ounce. I got that fine wire hook and I got a little bit of a skirt material tied on there, right? The Elaztec, the, the Z-Man, super durable, but it's it's it floats. It floats up like a TRD or whatever. With it just sitting there on the bottom, and I love getting the underwater footage in, on my videos, it just it just sits there like this and it just kind of wavers back and forth like that like you can't make it stop moving it's not going anywhere but it'll never stop moving right it's not traveling anywhere but you can't keep it still if if you have that in a bait and yes a hair jig is one of them 
if you have that in a bait, you have a good winter bait. And you have to have faith that I've put it there. And if a fish finds it, comes across it, he's going to eat it. Okay. Um, so you're really looking for very little current movement at that point, I would think, right? Because otherwise it could be kind of dragging yeah, that a little bit. Yeah. And, and that leads into to this illustration. So I did this video that explained how you how you really assess the eddy. I'm trying to get that centered. So you look at the current speed, you look at the current direction, and and um, you can look at depth by throwing your jig out there and seeing the angle of your line. And you're going to feel the bottom. If if the jig feels like it's on a hard bottom, that's good. If it's if it's bringing back leaves and stuff, that's not good. You do not want to be in the the leaf litter zone is what I refer to it as. But, you know, it was my buddy Jed Plunker, Jake and, and myself were, were working this one eddy in uh, the green still water area in the center of what I refer to as the center of the donut hole. That's your stillest water. And you can see the arrows of the, the water, you know, slowly cycling. It was actually... Uh, the, the bottom of the screen was one of the banks, right? And right. then uh, up here where my finger is, was a bridge piling. And Jake had actually anchored up there. And he was casting down towards what I refer to as the split. So in the center, there's two still areas. And, you know, really the red spots are kind of like the feeding stations. Um, they can be in the turn of the of the, um, you know, the inside of the seam where it turns, you know, it, this is so backwards for me. It, <laughs> it comes along here to the bank and then it, and then it comes back out to the current seam. And that, that little red dot is a good feeding station. Uh, you know, the, the split right along the bank is another one. The most downstream part of the uh, the eddy as it pinches off here and it, it ceases to become an eddy, that's another good one. And probably the most obvious and, and aggressive fish is going to be right up at that current scene, but they're still in still water. Right. You know, there's, there's screaming fast water here, but like right there, that's an alpha, hey, I'm looking to eat fish location. And if you can put one there, you're in an eddy and you can put it right up at the top. Yeah, that's if, if something's looking to eat, that's going to be a good spot for it. But here's the thing, though. If if you don't, if you're hitting it cold, so to speak, and, and I mean, and I did a little bit of it yesterday. Um, you know, I've been working with Jake on, on a pool where he's like, I'd love to know where they winter in this area in... And I went with them once and then I went on my own and had some success then there, but it was limited. I think I caught like four. And then yesterday I went and like I fished until one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, I got nothing. And, and, you know, two and a half trips isn't enough to dial it in the places where I've learned over the years that, Hey, these are good. These are good winter spots. I did the process 
So the process is something that I included in my first um, or in one of my DVDs on winter river smallmouth fishing, which is which don't look for the DVD. Um, <laughs> I, I sold a bunch of them, but all of that content is is actually if you rabbit hole and and look through through the the river or look through the smallmouth um, playlist on my on the YouTube channel on the little stuff. Uh, you're gonna find all those those different videos. I gotta find it for you, but there is there is a process by which you um, you find these winter holes. Um, let me see if I go to playlist. There is there's a lot of playlists. My smallmouth one alone, if I can find it. Are you pulling it up? Uh, yep, I can um, see here. I don't know why it's not giving me all of them, but. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Winter River smallmouth process. <clears throat> Man, I feel like I just slowed everything down <laughs> by looking for this. Smallmouth, there it is. Let's see here. Whoop. There's so much content there. There is a lot. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, little tubes for winter river smallmouth. Um, I should have had this queued up. I'm not going to find it. It's got the word process in the, in the description. 
Okay. If you find it, what I do is it's another one of these illustrations, but I actually use a place where I figured out, hey, this is this is a winter hole. The process is you fish you fish the same water every month, a couple times a month, as you go from September into December and then January. And what you find is, you know, um, and I'm, I'm going to use, let's see if I can do this. Say the river is is flowing from there down to this corner, right? And it's it's going to have the normal curves. But say in September you have fish, 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 fish. So fairly spread out, maybe two gaps. But overall, there's three kind of sections of a lot of fish. And then... In October, you go down and you're like, fish, 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 fish. And then it's nothing for a while, fish. And then fish, 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 fish. And then nothing for a long time. And then it's fish, 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 fish in the last three quarter mile, right? So they've condensed a little bit. They've been spread out and then water's cooling off a little bit. And then you get into November and it goes nothing, 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 fish, 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 nothing, 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 fish, nothing, 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 fish, 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 and then nothing the rest of the way. So what did you find? Three different places. One of them only had one fish, but two sections had had a bunch of them in one area. Then you get into December, and I can't really show you that as well, but you go right to that bank of that pool, and you figure out, okay, early in the day on that current seam, nothing is there. I tried, but I get down towards the end of that eddy or that big pool, and um, and I caught like three or four, and, and it was in the last little bit. And then, you know, you say you even stay all day on that pool, but then late in the day, you go back up to the top of the eddy at that, that current seam, that, that red dot that I put up against the, the piling in that illustration. And it's like the last 20 minutes of daylight. And even after the sun is set and it's just like big fish, big fish, big fish. And that's a feeding station. That is, that is what you hope to get dialed in in late November, this time of year. Because when you hit it in January and February, you know, there's going to be places where they go, where they zone out, and and maybe if you you let a Ned rig wallow down there long enough, something's going to jam it. But there are places where you go and you say, "Hey, I if if in this pool there's a fish that's looking for food, he's going to look here, and if he's not there, he's going to be at this other place." And, and you really figure that out with the water temperatures, you know, in the, in the upper to mid 40s. By the time you get down to 40 in the upper 30s, their, their feeding windows are more narrow. They're still they're going to eat. Right. But if you've dialed in in the process, you know, and the, a lot of the work of it is, is noticing which are the areas that are, are 
increasingly more active the end of October and early November. And then which of the areas just didn't produce? So that's the process. And it's on the YouTube channel. You got to just dig. You find the, the smallmouth um, playlist and just and just look through there. Um, I'm I'm still, you know, I I have over 500 videos on the YouTube channel, right? <laughs> and and I cover a lot of different stuff from offshore kayak fishing to striped bass and largemouth and tidal largemouth in particular, and certainly a lot of smallmouth and you know there's there's trout and there's torpedo stuff and there's kayak rigging and there's just your conservation and I go all over the place, but my, a lot of my old school videos are, are in there in, and just don't get watched because of the way Facebook is. And because I, I guess I never, you know, back then when I just, you know, I uploaded so much, I mean, I had content that I'd put on kayak bass fishing, you know, in 2009, Right. right. Um, I put on kayak anglers YouTube channel. I put on the wilderness systems when I was on their team and, and managed their team and put stuff up there. Uh, I fed a lot of other people's channels early on. And it, at some point, uh, my buddy Chad was like, just consolidate, put it all in one place and, and start, you know, gaining, you know, the momentum with it. And I never really paid attention to it in a way that YouTube has evolved where you have to be good at thumbnails and tag words and, 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 you know, putting the little things on the screen at the end saying, here, watch this video next. I, you know, I'm just now learning that. And, uh, as a consequence, my old stuff doesn't get watched, but if you right. it falls it, into that black hole, <laughs> it's out there. You got to dig and please subscribe. Definitely, definitely. Oh, the amount of content out there alone is worth subscribing. But like, like you said, I mean, uh, the, the way it's broken down on the playlist, it's almost perfect. I was just looking through browsing while I was looking for that process video while you were talking. And I, uh, you see? Just, I marked like a ton that I want to go back and follow or uh, check out because uh, yep. there was a ton that what makes a good wintering hole and all sorts of stuff, you know? Yeah. So uh, definitely. Um, guys go online and check it out for sure that i learned um in 2001 was i think my first winter where i where i fished into the winter and it was a a friend of mine brian that took me on the main stem shenandoah and he's like you know he was I think he was the second other person that I met that fished out of a kayak. So I started fishing out of a kayak in 98. I ran into him maybe in 2000 and, and I'd fished with him a good bit here and there. Main stem Shenandoah. He had a, a, a property up on the South branch and we do a lot uh, on the, on the North Fork Shenandoah and parts of the Potomac. Um, he, he lived there near Harper's Ferry and uh, we, we fished a lot together, but when he, you know, he, he talked about, yeah, I'm going, you know, next weekend. Are you, I'm like, you can catch him this late. He's like, you don't winter fish. I'm like, no, I've never thought he's like, 
you are so missing out. And I'm like, well, I I keep catching fewer and fewer fish. He's like, you're going to catch the biggest ones of the year in in winter. You've got to, you know, I'm like, help me out, man. Because like, I, you know, on the Potomac, you know, I do that Brunswick to Point of Rocks float and just, you know, in, in October, I'm, I'm whacking them. I'm catching them. And then, you know, mid-November, it's like, ah, I'm, I'm struggling to catch like four in a day. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just not in the right spots. And, and, and maybe you're fishing too fast. And, uh, he took me, he took me to a spot in the West Virginia section of the main stem Shenandoah. And what he had said to me, you know, we, we paddled probably three quarters of a mile and I made a couple casts. He's like, stop, don't do that. I'm like, well, how are we going to, he's like, just come with me, keep coming, keep coming. And then we got to a spot and he's like, okay, do you see that? you know, that rock that makes the head of the eddy. I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you see that sycamore tree with the root ball right there? I'm like, yeah. And, uh, it, and it maybe was, you know, 35 yard section of bank. He's like, you're not fishing anything until you catch a fish between that rock and that sycamore. I'm like, He's like, they're there. I'm like, okay, I believe you. And I think that day, I think I got a 19 and a quarter was the first one. And it it popped a tube in in a way that it was just like, <laughs> I mean, it just felt so good. And that's 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 the addiction. Jig fishing. I mean, anything where you left leave it on the bottom and they just like a gunshot whack it is just Wreck so it. good. God, it feels good. That one hit and it just snowballed. And I think that day I caught like, I think that was the biggest was the first, but then there was a whole mess of like 18 and a quarter, 18 and three quarter, 18 and a half. There was a lot of really good fish in the mix. And I don't know. I think I, I think I probably caught eight fish by the end of the day, but they were good. They were good, solid fish. And I was, I was getting it because I had somebody that said, you know, there's lots of places on this float trip, but here's what I'm here's what I'm giving you. Between that rock and that sycamore tree, <laughs> you're not moving from here. And and I I know he went down the bank and I saw him and I heard heard him hoot and holler. I'm like, you want me to come down? He's like, don't leave that spot. <laughs> All right, he caught a bigger fish. Yeah, I think he got a twenty and three quarters that day. Okay. He's like, no, that's that's where I needed you to be, and uh, and I got it, and I took that experience and knowledge, and kind of understood, and tried to find other places like it on the on the Rappahannock, on the North Fork Shenandoah, um, the the Susquehanna, and the Juniata didn't come until later, but like I figured those out too, um, you know, and ultimately, what you're looking for is a a big enough area where little foam bubbles on the surface um stop passing through they just sit 
They don't swirl. And sometimes the, the only way you're going to know that is if you get yourself stopped. And that's why I advocate and I have that video coming about my double anchor system. If you're anchoring, you got to have the the knife on the PFD because you got to be able to cut it. If you're if you do something stupid like I did at 23 years old and anchor in the wrong spot and had to rely on someone else to save my life for me, you got to have that knife on your life jacket. I have the, the NRS co-pilot. But when you anchor and you do it in still water and you have still water out in front of you and you know that you're stopped and you just gaze at the surface of the water, just just throw a Ned rig or, or a or a hair jig or or just or the you know what else is a good product. You know, I make a lot of my own stuff, but I always like to tell people um something you can buy these guys i got a i got a pile of them there I just i guess just restocked shrooms micro finesse jigs these things with with that trailer is 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 a great place to start um i also use their the smaller um Scented jerk shads, and I and I use those heads, those yep. finesse bullets. Yeah, I just grabbed. I I was I thought I had some finesse jerk shads in my Z-Man yeah. binder, but I didn't. So I saw that in that latest video that you talked about for when a yeah you're pulling a lot of leaves with the regular jerk bait, you can switch to one of those and yeah, and in it has the same presentation where I talk about it just sitting on the bottom and just kind of pivoting like it's a it's a great great bait but if you get the if you get that on the bottom in the stillest section and you can kind of pull your reel and, and pull back on it and you just scratch the bottom if if it feels hard and it's under bubbles that are sitting still that's it if you put it in under bubbles that are that are sitting still and you pull on it and you're just like mm, it's just i don't feel rock and then you reel it in there's a leaf on it no leave that alone the leaf litter zone is 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 where the carp live leave it alone you know and and usually i got to do an illustration on this but you know say say the screen that i'm in is the eddy the leaf litter zone is going to be right in the middle but here on the edges near the current like your fastest current is just off screen up here but like you will have an edge here where it's a hard bottom on the edge of the leaf litter zone and and that'll still be productive okay um, but you do have to just go do it and explore and keep your line taut and have fine wire hooks the the two products I just showed you have fine wire hooks. Um, you know you don't have to. I mean, I, the, the next video I have to edit is me pouring pouring these jig heads and making my own soft plastics. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I enjoy doing that. I used to do that, you know, for for my little side gig making them for confidence baits, and I just burned out on doing that. But I don't know. There's lots of good bait companies out there that that offer a fine wire hook. So, I'm I'm kind of excited to hear you say that because I this is the first year that I feel like I've fished my local area, the Susquehanna, 
Um, pretty much like you said, I fished it all fall and I was catching fish right up until kind of two weeks ago. And then it's kind of really dropped off for me and I was fishing, trying to get out twice a week. So I know where I was catching them in September and October. Um, Keep fishing those areas. Just, just find the spots in, find the spots that, that the current just stops, that they can, they can just not work real hard to to stay in you know that that is that is a good part of it um you know if if you got to look at it in terms of they're they're an animal that that is that lives on a treadmill that river just keeps them you know keeps them working and you know if they can take their legs off of the, the actual treadmill and put them on the sides and take a rest. <laughs> those sides, those are the eddies. Those are the, the calm water pockets where they can take a break. But, you know, the river comes up and we get a lot of rain or we get a big snow melt and it just blows out a bunch of, you know, um, it's pretty obvious where they're going to be. They're going to be in those shoreline eddies. They're going to jump up in the creek mouths. But they want to be close to those places that, that they can get out of the way. And I usually, you know, when I find a, a concentration of them in late October and in early and mid November, and I'm like, okay, let's, let's visually look around here and put another 10 to 12 feet of water in this river. Where do they go? And usually you look up on the bank, you're like, oh yeah, you guys go up in there. There's like a little creek mouth notch here there's a steep bank right here and they're out in this trench where it's like you know between 8 and 12 feet out here and they're happy doing that at like regular flow but when it gets blown out they go up onto that bank and into that little little creek mouth notch um you know, and there are high water spots and in in low water spots for the winter holes, but the distance between the two is not very far because there'll be areas that are that are big, you know, that that have a lot of that that foam bubble on the surface that it's not moving, but they got to run a long way to find that high water refuge. They don't, you know, ideally they don't want to do that. So. But Sean, keep going back to your places that you're getting them in in October. Uh, there are fish around there somewhere. Um, no, and I like what you said too about the feeding stations because that makes a lot of sense. Because if you can find one, even if it's not, uh, you hit it like when you first get on the water and they're not there. Um, the important thing is to cycle back to f figure out what time of day they are hitting that feeding station because you know they'll they'll go hang out in their spots where they're just kind of chilling out, but they will return to that feeding station. Yeah, uh, I I feel like it's it's a little bit easier when the river's higher because because the the places that they can comfortably be in shrink, <laughs> you know. Uh, when it's and it's and yesterday it was I mean it's at a fairly low level. I don't want to say low, but it's it's not up much at all right now. No, um, they're spread out. I talked to a buddy of mine. Um, Mike Breeding, who's a jet boat guide up there, uh, ran into him yesterday in, um, in, 
exchanged some some Facebook messages back and forth today, and and I'm going to get on the water with them not this coming week, but the week after when I come back from Chicago, um, I'm going to hop on his jet boat and do do an episode with him and, and capture some of Mike's knowledge. Mike's, you know, full-time guide up there. And he, if if you follow him, it's, his business is called Grateful Guides. And he will, you'll go out there and, and, and skunk and be like, I just don't get it. Why, you know, and then you'll see his trip report and he'll say, yeah, between my client and I, we got 68 bass today. And you're like, you're lying. No, <laughs> no, no. I've done it with him and I'm going to do it week after next. And the jet boat's a great way to go hop from his vast knowledge of so many different um, feeding stations that, that he's figured out over the years. It's the same thing with uh, Jason Shea's another one. Um, Chris Gorsuch is probably the person I'd say knows knows more than any any other guide up there on the Susquehanna. I have um, a trip scheduled with him in April, I think. So you do with Chris. It's hard to get on his books. No, I had Chris him here Gorsuch. on here as a guest, and he uh, he told me to call him. When he opened his books for 2021 or 2022, you lucked out. I, yeah, you lucked out, and you need to like prep for that trip, and you need to have like a list of of what you want to learn from him. No, it's, I, I I've talked to him quite huge. a few times. Yep. Yeah, Chris, I love fishing with Chris. Chris. Chris is also a guy that, that gets the kayak fishing thing. Yes, he's a jet boat guy, but he was one of the Wilderness Systems uh, pro staffers when I managed that team because he understands like how great a tool the kayak is for for getting in certain places that like in and having the stealth uh, to to get after him in summer. He's he's a paddler. No, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I, you know, out of all the guides that I had talked to, I, I kind of picked him because he did, he talked about um, kayaking and, and he, so, you know, I, I fully intend on picking his brain on that as well while yeah. we're out on the jet boat. So cool. Yeah. I'm glad you got a trip. I was going to say he's like, good luck getting a trip with him. But no, I know. I, I definitely must have really enjoyed talking to you to make <laughs> sure that he made a slot for you because he gets his regulars and it's and they're full. I mean, right. That's sort of the evolution of the guide. I mean, when someone's new to it, they hustle and they do all the outdoor shows and they do the speaking engagement for any Trout Unlimited or, or other group that, that that will have them come be a speaker. And they they hustle to talk to the manager at the the Harrisburg show to say, you know, Hey, can you get, can you work me in to be on the, the tank and do a talk on whatever in, you know, they do a lot to, to promote. And that's the early guide, you know, early year you know, evolution. And then they get to a point where they have their, their regular amount of, of regulars that keep coming back to them. Um, but they're still trying to fill out, you know, a full schedule to make a living at it. Um, my buddy Chuck Earls, who's up on the on uh, he's he's up near Cleveland, but he's kayak fishing guide on Lake Erie. He's in that early stage where he's hustling, and uh, he's he's a he's good at at 
at working and promoting. And if you wanted to ever, you know, get up there and do do some Great Lakes uh, trolling for the walleye or even this time of year, the steelhead, if you have a dry suit, he'd, he'd probably let you book a trip with him. But um, but he's in that early phase of, you know, of, of hustling to get it done. And then when you've really made it and, and you just, you know, and I've seen it in River Smallmouth Guides, you know, further south in Appalachia. Um, Chuck Kraft was another one, or Jeff Kelby when he was guiding, uh, where it's just, you know, and it's usually like, hey, the week after Thanksgiving, going to open up this calendar, call my regulars, spend maybe a day, maybe two days calling people, and, and it's full. It's full, right. And they don't have a website anymore. They don't need it. They don't want it. They got the regulars. They just do their job. And, and, and maybe if somebody gets sick the night before and he says, I'll put you on a wait list, and then he calls you and said, okay, yeah, this guy dropped off. Uh, can you go tomorrow? And you think, hmm, am I calling off? Yep, you better. So it's cool you got, got there with Chris. So Yeah, cool. I was I was very happy about that. So now I'm just trying to pick who I want to bring with me. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and April's a good time for sure. Awesome, man. Um, well, I will definitely um, – I'm going to do some searching here after we get done, and I will uh, find that process video and put a link to that as well as the, the last couple that I watched with you and Jake because I think those are super good too. Um, any right. other ones you can think off the top of your head I should include? Let me let me talk about what's, what's upcoming. Um, okay. You know, I, I've, I've done a more purposeful job in, in, in scheduling, um, scheduling content. I actually, I have to go to YouTube studio to figure it out, but December, th and it jumps around. This one's a title largemouth one, but December 13th is, uh, called toehold. One piece to the cold water largemouth puzzle. Um, on December 3rd, uh, the, the first illustration I showed you, slackline is the enemy, how to feel the bite in cold water. Um, December 20th is the double anchor setup. Uh, I do have some rod building or rod repair videos where, with a local guy, uh, Kevin Hallash, who does the... Uh, he does electric only tournaments here in Maryland. Um, okay. December 6th is another video or another illustration that I showed you earlier is Eddie breakdown or Eddie assessment breakdown of current depth and something else. December 5th, five tips to feel the cold water bass bite. That one. That December really 5th. And, it, and it, you find it on there. I have it scheduled as a premiere. Mm -hmm. You do I think you do something where you click like notify when it's up or like a reminder or something. And that's what I did with uh, the one that aired okay. just today. And uh, that helped me cool. find it quickly. It reminded me to go watch it. So, yep. I got some other stuff. Jake Harshman's tackle organization. I've done a lot with Jake this, this fall. I got to have him on too. He, I know uh, it was, it was funny. He was talking about, when you were talking about, he was talking about having to dead stick a, a jerk bait and it was killing him. <laughs> he yeah. was uh, 
but you know, obviously he was, he was doing it and, and, you know, learning it. So, um, I definitely want to have him on and talk to him about that and, you know, the whole process of, yeah. you know, so most, most people naturally have an inclination to, to lean more towards power fishing or finesse. I naturally lean more towards finesse. He naturally leans pretty hard to, to power fishing and, and it's, it's, it's won him some significant money in big, big tournaments. Um, but you, you, the, the people who are the best, the Jody Queens of the world, the Russ Schneiders of the world, the, the, and I'm going to throw Christine Fisher in there as well. They know how to switch from one to the other. They don't, maybe they specialize, but they specialize in both, not one or the other. And, and that should be a goal to to be able to you know um to soak a hair jig as well as the is you can rip it rip a jackhammer you know right just be able to do both in 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 be able to recognize the right time to do one or the other you know that's that's the critical part you know i always wanted to you know to finesse all the time and yes i would always catch fish i would always find fish finessing but the biggest smallmouth i ever caught in the river was six pound ten ounces and i was power fishing the river was up and i was throwing a very large um spinner bait in into a muddy water entity and i got two others that were legitimately over five that was a river bass in tournament in 2015 and Jed Plunkett and I set the River Bassin like team total for the series. We had a, I think it was 123.75 inches of smallmouth. Oh Do the math. Um, the other thing that I'm I'm excited about in and I got I got into the fall doing some of this, and then I switched back over to to my regular Susquehanna trips. What I enjoy doing, I mean, it, in in it's unlocked the video that I have, um, largemouth feeding stations. You know that video, that place was found by doing the things talked about in. What was the first one I did? I did with with Chris Watts. I got to back all the way up into like early um early october uh the 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 thumbnail says why every kayak angler needs a chainsaw i do remember that <laughs> well the one right before that or, or a couple before that i had a had a creek exploration trip with chad hoover he was in town and uh we went and just picked a river and went he's like i want to do a river i'm like all right, it's been forever since I've been on the Rappahannock. I used to know that, like the back man. I used to guide on it, but it changes so much. He's like, "Well, we're about down here," and we went back and forth. I'm like, "Dude, let's just find one we've ne neither one of us have been on." He's like, I "I'm game for that," and we did it. And and like, I was able to get three quarters of a mile up with him, and then we went back down, and it was only a quarter mile down. So we saw two miles of the river because we kept running into strainers and I'm like, man, I, and, and he, he stood on the log, the last big log 
and caught like five or six of them just casting over with a whopper plopper. I'm like, you know, it's awesome over there because no one ever goes there. Right. And, it, and the light bulb went off. It was like, ding. I got to work. I got to do this. And I called up Chris and I'm like, I got a place that I want to go check out. And he's a he's a tree expert. He's a what's what's the term? Certified arborist in the state arborist. Of I was going to say I thought it was arborist. But... He brought his equipment and and we removed some stuff and and like it opened up and and I won't tell you how many different sections that we've opened because I'm I'm and I've had people where'd you no don't ask me where I went I'm teaching you the process. Don't ask me for where I where I went three different times to whatever river in and cut up a bunch of logs and went out there and only caught a bunch of chain pickerel and dink bass. <laughs> well, you do three trips like that where you where you're on the road for you know seven, seven and a half hours of the day to go fish maybe the same amount of time or maybe eight hours. And you come back and you got like not enough to really edit a video. And then the fifth one you hit and it's like, oh, yeah, this is it. In in the the category, the 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 playlist that's in there uh, is I think I called it water trailblazing. And I think it it holds a lot of promise for if you're willing to 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 bring a saw. And I think you can even do it with a bow saw with a handsaw. And open up water that no one else is on. Small water. Um, you can own it. I mean, it's all but private water. Like you just you get in there and you do the work. Um, and you you know it and it it actually pairs well with what I've been doing um, with the inflatable kayaks because the inflatable kayaks are are lightweight. They go super shallow. You can hit a submerged log that's just like barely wet at speed and scoot right over it. Uh, if you have to portage around it, you can throw that thing up on the bank and drag it through the woods because it's easy. You know, in most of the inflatable kayaks that I've been messing with, and I, you know, I've, I've been with Trey Leach of Innovative Sportsman. He's got one coming out and it is, it is awesome. Like I've filmed him because he's been one of my best torpedo dealers in 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 to to kind of you know show off what's coming in early 2022 early next year um it's really cool it's it's 14 feet long it's fully tracked and it's designed like around the torpedo ultralight 1103 um but it's perfect for this sort of you know, small water, skinny water, bringing the chainsaw, getting into places that other people don't get at. I think there's a whole lot of that type stuff in our tidal waters. As you move, you know, throughout Maryland, down into Virginia, I'm sure through the Carolinas, if if we were to keep going further, that, you know, and it's the same kind of fishing I do with Tim Perkins for the spotted bass down in Alabama when I go join him. Um small water fishing and and you just stumble upon areas that other people wouldn't bother trying and it's amazing it is amazing it is just like untouched fisheries and because people look at the bridge and they're like that little creek there ain't nothing in there 
Uh, you sure? <laughs> you think that, you know, there's a, you know, a 19-year-old spotted bass in there that's like legitimately over five pounds, you know? Right. And hasn't seen a, a lure, you know, forever. So, you know, right. it's going to be relatively easy to catch. Well, yeah. <laughs> On the right day with the right flow, with the right approach, if you move in slow and quiet, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's still animals that can switch from from predator to prey or, or prey, yeah, to, to prey, like where they're spooked, you know. Pretty even easy. if they haven't seen much in the way of fishing lures, but right, right. Well, I yeah, know the inflatable uh, thing is cool because it's it's. I've enjoyed fishing out of the the star rival fish that I rigged up early last year. Um, I think Brad Hicks uh, from the final cast segment uh, has been rocking one of those for a little bit, and uh, he's been singing its praises. Uh, so yeah. it's definitely something I I'm potentially in the market now for a second boat. Uh, so I've been. Uh, you know, definitely checking that out. But now if, if you're saying there's something else coming that might be even better, I, uh, I might hold off on that. So they're both great options, but you, you, for the inflatable kayaks, you want a K pump mini, you can get them at NRS and you want Terraid type B, which I did. a I did a I video. I was going to say with, you did a video with that, right? Yeah. With Jake saying, take your treble hook. And, and he just like, I gave him a new, crankbait with fresh hooks and i'm like just swinging and banging it i'm like i want you to pop a hole in this i'm gonna fix it and you're gonna time me see how long it takes he wore his he wore his arm out before and, and he just wasn't gonna pop it and i'm laughing i'm like you done he's like and he's just like are you setting me up i'm like yeah i filmed it and he's like okay what are we gonna do to pop, pop a hole i'm like here's the pliers so he took the pliers and just jammed in the, the treble hook and had this tiny little you didn't even see it unless he he cupped his you know cupped water up to it and you see the bubbles coming out tiny mm -hmm. little hole um and he timed me putting the terry type b patch which which held the rest of the day at at you know three psi is the outer side the outer tube uh, you know pressure and then I went home and finished the video and did, you know, did the full patch job with the aqua seal. So, you know, is, are they indestructible? No. Are they lightweight and, and, and go shallower than anything else? Absolutely. Do you have the stealth advantages over, over a regular boat? Yeah. When you, we hit a regular boat on rocks, fish are spooked and are scattered around. You rub up against a rock with that, that, you know, or even bringing the anchor up, hitting rocks in shallow water, or even bringing the anchor up. The anchor, say you just want to position, you know, 10 feet this way so you can get to that side of the eddy, you know. You bring that anchor up and it, boom, it hits the hull as it comes up and you've spooked that hole. Everything there knows, oh, that's unnatural. We never hear that. They're afraid. They don't eat. You know the the inflatable it just the, there's no acoustics to it it's it's even the hull slap is is quiet so shallow draft quiet lightweight and just and it's uh it kind of <laughs> it's kind of like the difference if you're if you're used to running rivers and, and banging into rocks as you're going through shoots and stuff it's as though you've been driving your whole life a vehicle 
without any rubber on the rims and then somebody puts a fresh set of radials on your on your vehicle and you're like it can be like this this is awesome <laughs> how have i not been doing this the whole time right it's just it's a gentler quieter shallower draft lightweight drag it through the woods it's just better anyhow but that's another playlist on the channel is inflatable kayaks <laughs> yep yep I, and i brad said that he watched that and that's what sold him on it and uh he's been loving it ever since he's like i said singing the praises so um definitely something i'm gonna check I out think so. the, i i talked to david foyt with nrs and he said that the the successor or the next generation of the the star rival fish is uh called the cuda okay and like k-u-d-a okay and but like they're not i don't think they're they're doing until like well into the year so gotcha but i think that trey will will have some for pre-sale you know i think before the end of the year so okay worth keeping an eye on innovative sportsmen absolutely yeah okay awesome uh anything else you can think of or um i know i will get to let you you know plug sponsors and stuff i know you know torpedo has been amazing and i I'm love a, i'm gonna, watching plug, you. I'm Go gonna plug not dying on the river this winter um amen to that <laughs> yeah um dry suits if you're doing it i mentioned chuck earls he's he's a, a kindred spirit for sure He's he's up near Cleveland and he he goes out into Lake Erie and, and does the steelhead thing this time of year and every every time this year once his one of his rivers gets slushy. I mean it just looks like you know, a slurpee, like a big old slushy, you know, snow and ice and chunks and and, and he does the whole like ST plunge ah, falls into it in his dry suit and he and he comes out like see I'm fine I didn't die because people do die from hypothermia kayak fishing and it's it's two things uh it's not having had the practice of reboarding your boat and then and then you go over in winter and that cold water hits your skin and you go <gasps> You can't help it. It's your reflex. It's the involuntary gasp, and you've you've just inhaled water. So your ability to breathe and exercise and swim and pull yourself up is hampered by your ability to take in oxygen. Coupling that with your legs, because you think waders are okay. No, you've just flooded your waders with with thirty six degree water, and they stop doing this when you want them to do this. And you die. And I, and I lost a friend in 2001 to the river. He was a jet boater that uh, didn't wear his life jacket. And I think mm. even if he had it on, I don't think he'd have made it. Um, but but dry suits buy you that time to to reboard, right? You know, right. Um, the other thing is, you know, is if especially if you're new to it you know you you need to let people know where you're going and it helps it's really smart to go with other people i will tell you i'm not practicing what i preach i go out on my own if you're going to do it 
find some spots where you stay close to your vehicle, where if you flip and you think, nope, this isn't working, you know, um, get to shore, slog up, you know, to through the woods to your vehicle and, and get all your wet stuff. I mean, if, you know, stay close to a vehicle, you know, there, there is a video that I think next week as I'm going, I'm running up to Chicago, I have on, on this computer, we're doing the, you know, I've, I've uploaded all my clips and one of them is all my different tricks for staying warm. And yeah, dry suits, part of it, but like a hot thermos full of water and in the different, um, the different things I do to keep my hands warm. Um, I don't know. I, I'll leave that for the video. Um, but there are tricks to to stay warm. But you gotta have the dry suit. You no, I that, that was a big purchase for me that uh, really gave me the confidence. Well, to at least feel like I wasn't gonna die when I went out. Uh, yeah. You know, I I definitely took it for granted the first couple of times. But it it I mean, just this maybe I think it was early October. Uh, River Rescue here in York went out for two gentlemen that were out on their kayaks um, and fell in and you know, for whatever reason, couldn't get back in and they pulled them out. They went out and got them, brought them back. And they said the one guy was probably minutes from death. And that was in yep. early October. You know, you just, you know, yeah. it. the river can kill you if you don't respect it. And I've yeah, heard that so many sure. times. I've, I've been part of two different river rescues, not river rescues, but but the search and rescue where you, you just assume that somebody is dead and, and they are. Um but you you go out <clears throat> looking to bring closure to the family. So right. dry suits. Yeah. It's 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 I think one of those if 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 with your spouse, if you can get beyond the the idea, well we'll just don't go in winter. You know, if you can get beyond that, uh I don't think you're gonna have a, a really hard uh argument of, you know, this is this is like my seatbelt. You want me to wear a seatbelt when I drive? Yeah, cool. Well, this is it for me doing this thing that I want to do. Right. I need right. it. Yep. So definitely think that's yeah, good NRS advice. makes some good stuff. That's, I'm actually I, I was actually just looking at a different one, one that had a little bit different neck, because uh, I have a Stolquist easy, I think yep. is the one I have, and uh it is rather constricting on my neck, but uh getting used to it. But I know I was just reading that uh, NRS has one that it's, it's it's one of the selling features is the neck isn't as you know chokeholdy but yep so yeah latex gasket there are some out there that are like the spray tops that that lace in with the bibs um my buddy jed has a, a set of those in and there's this sort of interlocking thing of of the top spray top on the bibs and then the neck gasket is is neoprene instead of latex um you know it's and we actually, I actually filmed a YouTube short with him on that. And he, he talked about it and he's actually a swift water rescue technician for, for the fire department down in Virginia. Um, and what he'd said, and I think he's accurate with what he's saying is that it's, it really just buys you time. And he has not bought himself as much time as I have with my neck, you know, latex gasket here and here. And everything mm -hmm. else is sealed up. Right. Um, 
but he's way better than someone out there with waders. So how much time do you need to right. not die? Do you know that? Have you figured that out? Have you actually, hey, it's the end of the day. Like I just said with my buddy, Chuck Earls, you know, it's the end of the day. We're done fishing. I've put all my gear on my vehicle and I brought a big warm beach towel and I'm going to lay it on the tailgate and, and I'm done for the day. And sploosh, <laughs> do it, do it. It sucks. Your, your head and your hands get cold. You're wearing the, the, the dry suit. You're fine. It's unpleasant. But at least you've been there and you're like, yep, it's it's going to suck, but it's not going to be as bad as death. Right. And, and hypothermia, like I've, I've been hypothermic before and it's it's uh, it's terrifying and miserable. So but but, you know, if you have the right gear, you know, you, you, there's it unlocks a really cool time of year to be on the river where for the most part you have it to yourself and you see things like wood ducks and otters and fishers and minks and beaver and in in all manner of different birds that you're just like you know the these are this is a different scene that i see here in in april or as i saw in september you know in it's it's gorgeous like it's really a a um a beautiful place especially the susquehanna river valley like it's just a it's a gorgeous river um to to be on especially in winter right it's definitely you know get that zen feeling and uh yep. just the peacefulness of it is uh, it's, i mean it's peaceful a lot of times even before that but that just takes it up an extra notch when you know you're the only one out there and uh, yeah yeah yep and and then the piece is disrupted when when this little thing gets whacked by <laughs> three ounce smallmouth that goes pow hits it you're like yes this is why i came <laughs> and it's amazing how warm you feel all of a sudden when that happens oh absolutely <laughs> you are no longer cold if you're catching fish absolutely so all right jeff well again i thanks again so much um tons of great information there uh Sometime, if you're ever up in my area or, or looking for someone, hit me up. You know, I know uh, cool. I, I, I told J uh, Jake the same thing, because, you know, if you're up by Jake's area, then you're not too far from me either. So, right. Um, we'll definitely have to. I'd love I to usually run north of town. Pick your but brain. Yeah, hey, if you want to run north of town, I'll, I'll go with you sometime. I would definitely run as far as you need me to run just for the uh, cool. experience and the learning. So um, let me know and uh, I will take off if I have to and make it happen. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, thanks, thanks again for so me, much. Sean. No problem. Uh, welcome anytime. And um, uh, guys, make sure you check out the little stuff on YouTube. I'm going to post some links, uh, a direct link to the page, and then a, a few of the videos that we talked about as well. But uh, keep in mind the ones that he uh, mentioned that are coming up. I know I definitely will subscribe to those and uh, get alerts for when they come out because I'm always looking forward to learning new stuff. So uh, thanks again, Je uh, Jeff, so much. It's uh, tons of great information, like I said, and uh, until next time. Happy to share it. 
All right, guys, this has been uh, the Best Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.